Welcome to the Weatherman Podcast. This is your host, Chad Stecker, and I am the Weatherman. This is the podcast where a humbled man pleads to a broken world to listen to his eccentric thoughts concerning life, family, and the church today. Part one with Mel was absolutely insane, wasn't it? If you haven't listened to part one, go back, listen to part one first, catch up, then come and just get rocked again in part two. I'm going to give you a little warning. Part two is a little bit longer than any of my other ones have been, but I just couldn't find it in me to edit out anything. So I just let it be. So just enjoy. If you got to come back and, and, and listen to it in some parts, do it. If you want to listen to it all the way through, it's well worth it. So just sit back and enjoy the ride and know that stories like Melissa's will definitely have an effect on your story as well. Enjoy. Welcome back to part two. We had a fun conversation last week, and if people know me, they know that I like to record straight through and then kind of break up the parts and be able to build up momentum. We talked forever, and it was so amazing, Melissa. The response that I have been getting since I published and and posted that last Friday has been remarkable. Your testimony is already touching lives, and it's not even done yet. Welcome back to the Weatherman podcast, where you are just completely blessing me and all of my listeners. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you That's rock. Point, I think. Yeah. So we were finishing up your testimony where you were at the house of destiny and you were taking us through a lot of that and, and really bringing us into a new, a, a new era and a new stage of your recovery, really for the first time being recovered. And having a new identity, not just in Christ, but who you were to everybody around you. They had experienced a certain you from the majority of your life. And now they were getting ready to experience something so different, polar opposites. And you were getting ready to walk us through that process leading up to meeting a a very remarkable man of God. Like I said, in part one, he's, he's my spiritual father. He is, he has walked the walk with me. He's somebody that has always respected and honored my 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 own father, who I who who has discipled me, who has who has grown me up, and and who has made me the man I am today. But Paul is the real deal. He is the real dude. He is who he is, not just to me, but to my entire family. One of the reasons we didn't want to leave Louisiana was basically because of Chief. We knew we would miss him so much, but it helped that that day we got to meet you in the parking lot of an amazing restaurant, the walk in Alexandria and (laughs) Tanya left. And she was the one that was like, "Uh uh-uh. And not until I meet her, she, she told chief, she's like, I'm going to meet her first. And then I'll tell you what I think. And she met you and it was, it was over. And she is very stubborn and she is very black and white. She is a seer. So for those of you that understand some of these events, Jellical charismatic term. She is a seer. She sees in the spirit, y'all. And uh, my wife, I trust her tremendously when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, she saw you. She was like, "That is that is the woman for Paul." And uh, so once again, I'm going to do what everybody else wants me to do, and probably wanted me to do about three minutes ago. I'm going to shut <laughs> up and let you take the floor and uh, rock us for Jesus. I'm glad to have you back, though. Thanks, thanks, Chad. Thanks for thanks for. Uh for having me on here and for honoring not just me and the story that I have, the testimony that I have, but also Paul, because he is, he is legit. And it's a unconventional 
union, but it was all Jesus. You know, it, it could not have been anything other than Jesus because I wasn't looking for a husband. I will pick up when I arrived, of course, at House of Destiny and I got delivered and saved on the floor during intercessory prayer. Um, it's interesting about that particular recovery center. And I, and I believe that this is something that would really be beneficial to every recovery center. It's the, uh, the anointing and the presence of God was so tangible in that place that the Holy Spirit began to deal with me on salvation and on the existence of God himself, because it wasn't anybody that prayed a prayer of deliverance. I didn't get led through, you know, the whole like Romans road salvation prayer. It just kind of happened on the floor because we would have intercessory prayer in the morning for about an hour. And at first I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what intercessory prayer even really was. And one day it was, I was laying there listening to, listening to uh, worship music. And I realized that I started to fall in love with Jesus in those moments. And I began to worship in church. And it was through worship, I believe, that brought me into a place of revelation. You know, it was funny because I, I couldn't even say the name Jesus when I hit the door at HOD. Oh, wow. I literally could not say his name. In worship, I had been to church before and, and I hated worship. I hated it. And I, I didn't mind preaching. I could listen to preaching, you know, because I could intellectualize preaching. Gotcha. But worship is a whole nother, a whole nother situation. And I think that on some level to um, addicts, they're, they're born worshipers. You know, people with the predisposition toward addiction, they have this uh, seeker mentality, a hunger, you know, for something outside themselves to, to fill them up. And, oh, and I wow. don't know that, I don't know that it wasn't put there by the Lord, you know, from the, from the jump. It's just that whenever, you know, you come into, you know, this, this existence on earth, things tend to try to rob you of what God has put inside of you hmm. from the beginning. <laughs> That's so, so good. when I got there, well, I started to have that revelation of, cause I, and I've, and I've been driven by something my whole life, just a, a need that I could not quite put my finger on, you know, and it was always me searching for something and I never was fulfilled. Whatever I was looking for, uh, nothing really hit that spot until I got, until I got, had an encounter with Jesus and got filled up with the Holy Spirit. And I began to, to really, it was like, I could feel him tangibly and he would, you know, speak to me and, and prayer began to happen on its own. These things begin to happen on their own salvation, repentance. Was it, it was like repentance was a, was a, it was the fruit of the Holy spirit inside of me. All of a sudden I found myself wanting to do the right thing all the time. And my conscience got really, really, really sensitive. I became so aware of God that I knew he was there all the time. So at every moment of the day, if, even if you 
were met with a temptation to do something wrong because you love God so much, you want to please him and only him. And that's, that's kind of what the truth that grounds me. Um, because, you know, whenever you've come out of, of such a, an oppressive addiction, you know, the likelihood of someone going back to it, the statistics are, are against you. The odds are against you, you know, and there's nothing worse than having somebody full of enough truth to, you know, when they backslide to just make their life that much more hellish. And it's, and there's a a good chance that they might not come back. It happens all the time. People backslide and, and they end up overdosing or, you know, tormented to the point where they just never return back to the Lord. That honestly, it scares me to, to even, you know, visit that place in my mind. And I, and I will, I will go there in my mind to keep me on the straight and narrow because temptation happens. Yeah. And, and it happened when I was in the house, my mom, she was my biggest enabler and also my biggest supporter, ironically enough, but she was an active addiction and she's an alcoholic. I would go see her and I had to take her to the hospital at one point and stay with her for a couple of days. And the opportunity to use was there. It will happen. The opportunity will present itself. And I tell the girls at HOD this because, you know, it's not if it's not if it's going to happen, it's when. So you need to be prepared spiritually and mentally mm. for that that temptation, because yeah. I can't tell you how many people I know. I mean, they leave. And bam, you know, they end up relapsing. So my heart really is relapse prevention. I realized in that whole process, that one year of in-house, call it internship, you don't know how delivered you are until those, those, those temptations come. I was cleaning a house one time during the transition period. I'd gotten a job working once a week with the lady that I know cleaning for an elderly couple. I know when people have things in their house, like it's just one of those, those things you just, you know, when people have prescription medications, I realized in that moment when I was cleaning their house, I had worship music on. I, you know, I'm always praying. There's a cabinet full of pills right now, Melissa, a couple of years before that wouldn't have been able to keep my hands out of their medicine. And this is important. I feel like this is an important thing to share because there's a lot of people out there who think that they have to fall into stuff like that. And for somebody who spent so many years thinking that I would always be bound to this mindset of if it's there, I have to do it. You know, I I have to, like there was a compulsion in me that was so strong. I didn't know how to resist it. So if the opportunity presented itself, I would take it. It was horrible. But in that moment, I was standing in their kitchen and I just started to cry because I realized that it was in that moment that that's what Jesus actually got hung on the cross for. Mm. Because in that moment, I didn't have to go to that cabinet, take those pills out. I didn't have to anymore because I was free. Wow. Everything is underneath his feet. So everything is in subjection to him. So I don't have to yield myself to those temptations any longer.
no matter what my brain tries to tell me, it's just about yielding to the spirit in those, in those instances. That first year was, it wasn't too hard for me because I had been in recovery centers before and, and I could do recovery. You know what I mean? I could do, I could do in-house and it wasn't that difficult. The difficult part was transition because you're taking everything that you're learning and at, you know, the Bible and just basic, you know, the psychology aspect of it. Cause there's an in-house, there's a counselor that comes and counsels every Friday and every Tuesday. And, you know, all this stuff that they teach you about, you know, inner healing and, you know, why we do what we do and relapse prevention and, and scriptural knowledge and all those things, you know, you get loaded up on it for an entire year. You don't work. You, you just sit and you learn, and then you go into transition. If you choose to, you don't have to, but I didn't really have a choice. You know, I had nothing to go back to and right. I had completely severed all contact with my old life. Speaking to the love addiction thing, I decided early in to completely let go of every person that, atta- that I attached myself to um, because I didn't want anything to pull me back to my past. So the guy that I was with for four years, we broke up. You know, it was funny because I told him, hey, listen, I'm safe now. So things are going to be different. Can't, can't have sex anymore. We can't, we can't, you know, live together unless we're married. Uh, Cause I was prepared. I was prepared right. to live according to what was taught in the Bible. And I was going to be obedient to everything that I've learned because it's the truth. So, you know, it, it, it kind of created some tension, you know, when I wrote that letter and we ended up breaking it off. And so at that point I had nothing to go back to. I had no home. I had nothing. I was trusting God in that moment and, and, I, and he honored me for it. He actually prepared the, the place for me because they had a cottage that they were, that was in construction at that time they were, you know, getting ready for people that wanted to go into transition and it, and it was ready by the time I graduated. And so I spent another year in, in the cottage and at which time I had to get my license reinstated. I had to get, you know, pay all my fines from some legal stuff and, and, and get my life in order, you know, and I hadn't, I had never had all those things since 2004, I got my license taken away. And so it, it took a long time for me to, you know, trudge the, trudge the ground and, and do one step at a time, go to, go into the deep, you know, the DPS office and, and getting, you know, all the paperwork and everything that you have to have proof of ID birth certificate. It was a hassle and it, and it took a while, but that's the other thing, you know, when you're, when you're trying to get everything back together again, it's, it might take some time. And you should never despise small beginnings. If you keep plowing the ground and you keep doing what you're supposed to do and you do the, the next thing in front of you to the best of your ability, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow and you're going to grow and it's going to build and uh, you will get everything together eventually. Transition was hard, but it was good. I had asked for help a lot. You know, it took about six months before I got my, um, my driver's license back, at which time... It was right before that, I think, is when I met Paul. And that, that, com- that completely blindsided me, honestly. Like, I did not expect to meet. <laughs> it blindsided to meet me, too. Man. 
<laughs> it blindsided a lot of people. I think it was, you know, because I'm in recovery, right? Right. Now, I'm newly saved. All right. I'm fresh out the fresh out the world. I don't know anything about church, religion, or you know the the culture of it all. I just completely foreign to me. I know that I, I know I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I love Jesus. I felt called into ministry, you know, and um, I didn't know how that was all going to work out, but it was okay because I trust God and I'll just wait tables until something happens. And uh, I, I went to a house meeting. This was probably, let me try to, let me try to think of the chronological order. I'd been in transition almost, almost a full year. It had almost been a full year because hmm. I was, I was gearing up toward the end, getting to the point where, you know, things were going to be able to get a car and, and things like that. So I was the, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And um, we would go to a friend of mine would have Bible studies on Tuesdays. I got invited to go and I was, so me and a friend of mine, you know, we're, we're going to go. And I had heard the house manager that was, that was working there at the time. She was like, you're going to go because, you know, prophet Paul Bradford's going to be there. And I'm like, I have no idea who that is. And, um, I'm, I'm just going to go cause these are my friends and I love Jesus. You know, I'm yeah, not absolutely like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I had no, I had no idea who the man was. We go and we pull up into the parking lot of, of my friend's house and I get out of the car and I was just talking to her about this the other day. Cause she, she was there. She was a witness to the, the strangeness of it all. I looked at this man getting out of his truck and I thought, I know him from somewhere. It was like God had pointed a flashlight at him or something. You know, mm -hmm. I had never had that happen to me before. I'm like, man, I know that guy from somewhere. And I asked her, do we know him from another maybe church or we see him in a meeting or something like that? I don't know. He looks really familiar to me. And <laughs> We walk in and, you know, he, he wasn't speaking. He had, he had brought uh, Chris Oswald with him and it was just kind of, I think it was like an open forum type of meeting. Nobody was headlining or whatever preaching. So, you know, they were, they were talking and sharing about, you know, repentance at one point and I, and it caught my attention because, you know, that's kind of my kind of my jam absolutely and um and i had i had an encounter with the lord earlier that morning and, and had a vision that was pretty pretty intense a friend of mine asked if i had anything to share and at first you know i'm shy you know I, I haven't been saved that long i'm not you know a public speaker i'm not these are all some like legit spiritual people in this room and i'm like feeling like the baby you know and the the newcomer but nevertheless, you know, I always have something to say. Absolutely. So I, I uh, shared the vision and I, and I mentioned to Paul, you know, I'm like, I appreciate what you said about repentance, you know, cause I am, uh, I lean heavily on that because I have to, because of my background, a continuous repentant state is, is necessary. You constantly have to be changing your mind constantly, yeah. constantly, all the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. So you know, we, we kind of went back and forth about that. He prophesied, you know, over me. And, and then after the, the service was all done, I was standing there getting prayer from somebody else. And he went out to his truck and he comes back in with a sword. And I was like, <laughs> what are you gonna, yes, 
what are you gonna what are you gonna do with that and I'm like are y'all gonna do some cool prophetic stuff and i'm not even invited come on now he goes in his very dramatic paul bradfordy way he says you're attracted to the sword because you're called to it <laughs> and i was like you're right. <laughs> yeah, he is. I, I used to tell him all the time, you are literally like rom-com meets Bruce Lee. <laughs> I, yeah. Chief is the most, I'll, I'll give you my chief stuff after, after you're done. Cause this, okay. this definitely deserves to be on this episode. It's so fun. He's so, he's super like, he's intensely dramatic, you know, and I was like, <laughs> and I'm dramatic. just like, yeah, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is this is weird it's cool but i you know i dig it so we went and he, he sat down because he was going to pray for you know the friends that were having a house meeting after the service was over and i'm like i walked over to him and i was like who are you because i know that you have a powerful anointing on your life so why don't yeah. you tell me who you are because there's something here like there's something going on here and he is like how did you see me and I'm he's so like, dramatic i know i was like i don't know the same way that you had that vision earlier like because the, the vision i had was like super intense and i'm like yeah you know i guess you know I was, I was i just know things sometimes you just know things you know i have the uh i know things anointing is what i call it i know things annoying. and uh that's what i'm gonna <laughs> tell tanya now that's awesome <laughs> it's a it's a real thing okay oh yeah, yeah. i believe you I, i've mm -hmm. seen it in you and i that, that's tanya so <laughs> I know things anointing. Yeah. Yeah, I know things anointing. So, you know, and thank God for it because I think that that's, he used that that night because I just knew, I knew who he was. I knew him by the spirit. I knew him. It's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced, probably ever. When I, after, we, you know, we became friends on Facebook shortly after that. And, you know, we, we started to interact a little bit. He'd sent me something and i was like okay well if you ever have a prophetic word you know i'm open to it because i was about to move uh to pasadena and um and to like i consider this man a spiritual father a pastor i know um out there he wanted to do he wanted to do a recovery center and he wanted me to be the director over it and i'm like heck yeah let's do it you know so i was going to move out there but the church is baptist or they, they're just coming out of the Baptist denomination. So there's not a whole lot of prophetic stuff happening out there. There's not a lot of the things that I really felt like I wanted to, to grow in and I needed to nurture that in myself right. and I needed to be around solid prophetic people to help me grow. Um, so I was kind of like looking around for those people and I'm like, okay, well, this guy here, maybe he can, you know, help me uh, with that particular thing. So it really wasn't, I didn't go into it with this idea of, of getting a husband, you know, and I, and I make sure I let people know sometimes, you know, if, if I feel, well, if I feel led to really that I never heard him preach, I didn't hear him preach until after we were married. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, it <laughs> I wasn't, didn't know that. yeah, it wasn't, I didn't know that aspect of who he is i did not Dude. i didn't know and and i'm and i think god put it together that way because you have people that will look at the situation and judge it 
and make assumptions about my character. Yeah. You know, women all the time, his age, not his age, older, younger. I mean, it was crazy. He would come to me and be like, man, what do I do about this one? And I'm like, run. And Tanya, <laughs> that's what Tanya and I, you know, yeah. we, we were close, so close to him. We could talk like that. And I will tell you one of the first things he and I talked about concerning you. I don't know if he's told you this. I know I've never told you this. So let it come out on a podcast and we'll decide whether or not we need to edit it later. Uh, <laughs> was he came back and he was smitten. He, he looked like like everything changed. Right. <laughs> and he's talking about you. And he's like, he's like, she's amazing. She's amazing. And she flat out looked at me and said, you know what? You're not going to be the most important thing in my life. You, you, Jesus is the most important thing in my life. It was so cool. Cause he, he was looking at a woman that you were the woman of his dreams, not just naturally, but supernaturally. Mm. And everything he was looking for, he was getting with you, but it came in a package, which my listeners don't know the age difference. Okay. <laughs> and it's something you two are open about. But mm -hmm. with the age difference, I mean, he's in his 60s and you're in your 30s, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's, it's not necessarily 30 years difference, but it, it's, it's a good range. 24. And 24 years. And I remember looking at him going, it doesn't matter, chief. Like everything you're saying about this woman, you can't even get the words out right. And he can always get the words out. That's one of his gifts. He, could, he couldn't talk about you without stammering. He, he literally <laughs> was a teenager again. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is hilarious. And he goes, I need to stop. I'm like, please don't. This is too good. This is too good. I, I want to listen. And I saw an aspect of him, everything he deserved in life that God still blesses with the natural. And I read you my poem. I'm not going to read that on this episode or, you know, it's called before her. It's about my wife. And a lot of that, he helped me see that in her. And then I got to reverse, see what he was seeing in you the same way. And it was just, it was beautiful. I watched a ninja warrior slash black belt karate warrior sword guy turn into like a flower in that very <laughs> time that he was meeting you and falling in love with you. That's fun. Isn't that funny? It's so funny what God will do, you know, especially when you're not looking And that's, that's the thing is it's almost like, cause I had never been married again. I think that was by divine design. I did not expect to meet my husband at that house uh, or even in the recovery center, you know, and I, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a growing process. I've probably healed more and have grown more in the last year. Cause you know, our, we, our anniversary was just a few days ago. Yes. So this last year has been extremely tumultuous. Um, you know, my mom passed away last April, uh, from, uh, alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And it was just, that was, that was the beginning of our marriage, you know? First COVID immediately hit and then my mom died. And so it was, it, we got, we got hit with a lot of trial early, even in the, within the, you know, the few months that we were engaged or even just courting, it was met with some, with some serious issues. And we, 
we were working stuff out early on. And it, but I think it was because the both of us were so into repentance and, you know, and, and growing yeah. that wasn't, you know, it wasn't a problem to call them out on certain things or, cause I wasn't, I, I wasn't familiar with that aspect of his life. So I'm not impressed by spiritual um, resumes. I'm not impressed by the things that, you know, you've done or I'm really just not, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me one way or the other. So that was something else, you know, cause I'm like, really <laughs> show me what you're, what are you doing now? You know, I mean, it's just yeah. one of those, I'm, I'm a hard kind of a, I'm kind of a harsh person sometimes and I don't mean to be, but I believe in truth and I believe in, in, in telling the truth and, and it's always rooted in love and it's really been healthy. So now <clears throat> it's begun to happen, but it's been in the other direction. Now it's my turn, you know, right. to go through that process. And so that's, it's kind of hard when she's on the other foot, but it's been, it's been absolutely amazing. And God has blessed it. God blessed our, our wedding. Like we had, I have the Beautiful. most amazing people around me. Becky Evers, she did the most amazing job putting together that wedding. Yeah. You know, it was, it was incredible. It was gorgeous. I didn't, I didn't expect any of that stuff. You know, God just showed up. So, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been amazing. You know, the, the courting process was interesting though, because we started interacting on messenger and I had another vision and I actually had reached out to him about it. I think that it was like the first time we ever talked on the phone. The first thing he said was, it sounds demonic, you know? So I, (laughs) (laughs) so I went and I, and I had a Zozo after that, (laughs) Yeah, but, um, you have to explain just, that one for everybody. A sozo is, um, it's like inner healing sessions mm-hmm. where you are in a room with a couple of people that take you through a process of, you know, engaging the Holy Spirit in areas that, you know, you might have wounds or, or, you know, you've dealt with trauma in your life or you yeah. have open doors to, you know, demonic things you know, things that you're not quite aware of. So they'll facilitate a conversation between you and God. Yeah. Basically, Perfect. you know, it can, it can be a fruitful, uh, it can be a fruitful thing. I know I've benefited from it. I did that day when I, when I wound up doing that, the Lord led me through another journey of, of healing through it. So, you know, it was an interesting thing and him and I, we, we had, a couple of conversations, very, very long conversations. And we just connected immediately. And then at one point he started to talk about, um, Humphrey Bogart, and Lauren Bacall. <laughs> yeah. The nickname. And well, you know, it was the similar, there's a lot of similarities between our story and their story mm-hmm. because Humphrey Bogart was an established actor. You know, he was a little older. He had been around the scene for a long time. Then Lauren Bacall comes in. She's new. She's fresh. She's young. And she's sassy. Fair. So they do that. They do that, that movie to have and have not. And I was really familiar with it because my mom really, really liked old movies. And so I got Humphrey Bogart shoved down my throat for 
my whole life. So he's referencing, see, a lot of the things that I know about are classic things. So that's a point of connection between the two of us. That's interesting because I get it when he references things like that. And, um, and he references it a lot. (laughs) He's got so So, much up there. So he, uh, he starts talking about, you know, Lauren Bacall and, and Humphrey Bogart. And he's like, am I prophesying right now? You know, because because they're 20, they were 23 years apart. They met on a movie scene mm-hmm. and they fell in love and they and they wound up getting married. But it's just an interesting contrast to him and I's, him and I's relationship. So, you know, it just it kind of grew. And and I'm realizing at the time I'm, I'm still in the recovery center. You know, I'm I'm working. I got my license. I went, got a car. I'm trying to, you know, get my, get my life together. But all the while I'm developing this relationship with this much older man, who's a preacher, who's actually preached in the church across from me. Like he had preached there before they knew who he was. Everybody in Botox knew who Paul Bradford was. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to like figure out what I'm doing here with this guy that I have these, these feelings for these, it was almost like shock waves. Yeah. Like the, the, the feelings I would have were not, I don't want to call it carnal. It was like, it was like the Lord was testifying of the reality of what was going on through the Holy spirit. You know, it felt electric and it was, it freaked me out. It freaked right. me out. Like I, I actually got kind of scared and I was talking to a friend of mine about it. And I'm like, I don't understand. Why do I, why do I feel this intensely? And I believe that it was the Lord actually, you know? And so I'm trying to, to, to make sense of all of it, but it was, it was difficult. And eventually I wound up leaving house of destiny because I felt a little convicted, you know, cause I'm, I'm having this messenger, these messenger conversations and these phone conversations with a man. And, and I didn't feel right about being there and nurturing this relationship simultaneously because I think that if, if you're going to be there, you need to be there. Mm. So I, I wound up leaving and moved in with a friend of mine. And then shortly thereafter, I, I did, I did go out to Pasadena and, um, and I, and I lived out there not very long. It was only for a few months because all the while Paul and I's relationship got more intense and, and it was beginning to really turn into something I did not expect and at one point it was like, okay, this was one, this where we got married, you know, where the Lord wants us to get married. I think, yeah. you know, I don't know how everybody's going to take this, you know, really telling people that I was, I was dating Paul Bradford was probably the most, that was the scariest moment. I think ever when he changed his, um, his relationship status on Facebook, I was really, I was really freaked out because I did not know how people were going to receive me. It was, and it wasn't necessarily how they were receiving you. People need to understand if you're listening to this, Paul Bradford is an anomaly. (laughs) He is one of a kind. And for him to have the giftings that he does and have also the humility that he does is almost non-existent. And if you go to central Louisiana or just Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, many of these parts, he is well known. This is a guy that walks into a church and everybody at least has heard of him. 
And they're showing, just like you said, people knew him in that church. People knew him all over. And it was small churches, medium churches, big churches, mega churches. He carries an aura with him. I know on our end, he asked me, he goes, so what do you think? Do you think this is, and I said, chief, I like, I can tell you right now, she makes you more happy than I've ever seen you. And she's the real deal. We, I think you and I had talked once or twice on the phone when he was at our house and you called and, and this is a man that I spent a lot of time with. This wasn't just a discipleship, spiritual son, spiritual father, where we met and talked scripture. I mean, we, he came over for, we spent movie nights and dinner and he was lonely. And I don't know if people, you know, this, I came into his life right after his, his first wife passed away. And actually I was the one asked, he was supposed to do a revival for, for someone, another pastor in, in, in Lafayette area. And I was the one that replaced him. And that mm-hmm. became kind of a connection there. And then at LAO, Louisiana Outpouring, where I really first had true contact with him, I, was, I went back to the green room and it was just to sit and just breathe for a second because the, the Holy Spirit was just so intense in that moment at, at that altar time. And I'm sitting there, barely can speak and Chief is sitting right there. And he's sitting there and he kind of gives you that look doesn't say anything, but you know, he's getting ready to just unleash or ask a question that is beyond anything that you can answer. And he looks at me and uh, he goes, all right, son, who are you? I said, I'm Chad Stecker. He goes, that's not what I asked. Who are you? And I'm like, oh, okay. I get this. Now my, my father prepared me for being like him. Cause that's how my dad is. And so I just started answering who I was. And he goes, you're a sword bearer. <laughs> you know, he just, he yes. always did stuff like that. Right. Yes. And I liked this dude right from the start. <laughs> and, and so women were always trying to attach themselves to him. <laughs> and chief was like, dude, I'm not mo-. like, he would do this whole thing. I'm just, I'm just some, he, some dude that has fought and won against cancer four times and this and that. And he goes, I'm not much to look at. I'm like, what is this? I said, because they're attracted to the anointing. Mm. They're attracted to the authority you carry. They're attracted to the leader that you are. They're attracted to like your essence, like who you are is what Mm. women want to be because you're not just a warrior. You're a gentleman. And he was always arm's distance with people. And then with you, he was like, I'm all in right from the start. He was just all in. You have been more of a blessing in that than I think you realize. Obviously you're married to him now. So you have to deal with the good, bad and ugly. On both sides though. Both sides. So let's talk about now, because we could talk about chief all day long and I might have to edit some of that. (laughs) But um, let's talk about what, what you and, chief or pastor paul have plans for now what what is god doing with you guys right now what are you guys looking for in the future what are you looking at and what are you um what are you moving towards in this new season oh you still live in texas right now right yeah we are we are looking towards leesville and you know it has been a process of transitioning from you know my mind okay 
transitioning because it's been my mind that's been kind of adhered to um, this area because I, I was born, you know, literally in the spirit at House of Destiny and Encounter Church in Botox. And those people became my, my new family. Uh, mm -hmm. I had never had connections with people like I experienced there. <clears throat> and that is so important whenever you are walking out of a past that is full of chaos and, and pain and trauma. It's important to walk into a, an environment with a group of people that really know what it is to love someone. And I did, I was blessed to, to find somewhere that really actually cared. And it was an individual, you know, on an individual level. So, you know, it wasn't just like, it wasn't like a cattle herding cattle through like a lot of these recovery centers. It wasn't, you know, cause it's a lot of, it's a, um, it's, it's a racket now it's a racket. Yeah. Now you have uh, rehabs that charge insane amounts of money to be at their facility to get medicated and um, and counseled a little bit. You go to a few meetings, take some yoga classes, and they and they and they pump you right out, you know. Or you go live in a sober living facility that is it, that that is insanely high uh, monthly to live in. And then on top of that, a lot of them are still rife with, with drugs. People still are using and they're bringing it into these places. So it's not, you know, I don't, I wouldn't know what the solution to all that is. It's, it's a government thing, but I was blessed in that. I, I had the opportunity to go somewhere that's in the middle of nowhere and which is a blessing, you know, cause you don't want to be in the middle of the city. You know, no. if you can help it, you know, and, right. and try to get sober. So, yeah, there's been the transition from from the mentality of the recovery center mentality into, you know, that little in between time I spent by myself in Pasadena was really valuable because I learned how to, you know, you learn how to um, engage with the Lord in spite of, you know, because it's through. And I really want to say this because I want people to understand that your deliverance is sustained through intimacy with the Lord. Your, your deliverance has mm. to be something that is, it is, you have to maintain it. Okay. It is maintenance. That is the most fundamental ground level truth. I could, if I don't, if I don't say anything else in this entire thing, it's, it's that it's that, deliverance has to be maintained because it can slip out of your hands. Yeah. And if you put your mind in the, in the wrong environment too soon, it can get pulled back into and regress into a place that it was before you got delivered. And, and yeah. that is a real thing. It happens all the time, or you can hook up with the wrong person. And, and the person, cause I told the Lord, I don't want a husband who's been through what I've been through. I didn't want, I didn't, I didn't want a man who had been through recovery. Not that it's a bad thing. It's just that I was that sold on not going back. Right. I don't want anything to pull me in that direction, period. And so, you know, and of course, thank you, Jesus. He gave me a man that had no 
no uh grid He's for that just addicted to jesus and swords and praise praise the lord so you know but that is something i learned early on that it is contingent on us my spiritual condition there was a man in aa meetings i used to go to a long time ago this old man he'd been sober for 35 years you know and he would always say the same things in every meeting he was in and one of the things that he was said is my sobriety is contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. Ooh, that's good. Isn't that wise? That man yeah. was wise. He spew wisdom all the time. That just kicked my butt. Yes, it is. And that is a that is a truth that, that I want people to take away. Like, if you don't hold on to anything, hold on to that. Because it is so important. Relapse prevention is so important. Because a relapse, you know, you can be one relapse away from death. You know, it happened. Yeah. It happened. I I told somebody, and and I am one that understands that completely. And we have scriptures that talk about that with deliverance and healing. Let's just keep it tangible for everybody. And I'm telling myself that uh, when you don't keep your deliverance, right? You don't do what you're saying you're doing, right? And you give mm-hmm. in. Someone asked me after my first deliverance because I'm one that didn't cling to my deliverance and, mm-hmm. and I had it for so long and it wasn't until ministry as a pastor where I started letting go because of the stressors and because of different things. And that was a whole nother embarrassment in mama jamma. But, but I remember when I went through deliverance in 2011 and someone asked me and they said, Chad, what's it like? What's it like? to go through what you just went through. And there was, I mean, I had scientific medical and psychological proof. I mean, psychopharmacologists and counselors and doctors going, you're a miracle, but you know, and some of them couldn't say the word miracle. They just said, you're, this is, this doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And, and someone asked me, what, what is it like? And I said, it's, it's the battle just started. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, because when before deliverance, I didn't have my mind. Amen. I didn't remember some of the things I said to my wife, or I didn't remember some of the things I had done. I didn't remember all that stuff, but when God delivered me, and this is what Tanya and I do with our deliverance, the the ministry that God has given us with war cry ministries. When we deal with people is we, we talk about deliverance is we simplify the definition. It's Mm -hmm. deliverance is when you give God your heart back, he gives you your mind back. Oh, wow. That's good. That's easy. That's as simple as it. Deliverance is giving God your heart so he can give you back your mind. And what happened to me was, is once I was delivered from, from everything I went through, my mind came back. And now instantly I'm remembering the things I said, the things I did, the things I didn't Mm -hmm. do, the things I refused to say. And, And I'm, oh my goodness, this was the time for me to pour into scripture like never before. We think, pour into scripture so you can be delivered. And then life is great. No, the battles and the, the life, the journey was just beginning. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Tanya, even, even today, I wouldn't be here. I know that for certain. Right. And so leading into that, and let's lean into this a little bit. How has having a godly spouse and a spouse Tanya doesn't understand addiction. She's, I think I tell people all the time, the only thing she's ever been addicted to is water. And, 
<laughs> she didn't order anything but water until we moved down to Louisiana and you just don't order water some places. It just doesn't taste right. <laughs> and so she would get a Sprite in those places for mm -hmm. sweet tea. But she doesn't understand that, but yet she was the perfect helper, the perfect soulmate for my journey through mental dis struggle and, and despair and addiction that followed. How has Paul in this relationship that you have had that God brought to you helped you in this process? Well, if I'm going to be completely, completely real, which right. you always are. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, unfortunately, because of, you know, at, at, you know, in the beginning, it was, it was very much a new thing. And, it, you know, and it was, it was, you know, that you have like that phase of a relationship where everything's, you know, amazing and, and great. And, you know, and my, my flaws weren't necessarily presented at that point that didn't begin to happen until after we got married. <laughs> um, because I, you know, I've relied a lot on the Holy spirit, honestly, and in, in my process, as far as healing and, and continuing to seek him and, and get those things that are in there out of me. So I'm extremely honest to the point where I don't know that it's like, sometimes he's just like, I think it grieves him a little bit because I, I'm very much raw about some of the things that I've walked through. And, but our marriage has done so much in healing so many traumatic wounds I had regarding oh, men regarding intimacy and how it relates back to god that's good because a marriage is a representation of the christ of christ in the church right you can you can take that the totality of your relationship is a mirrored image sometimes of your relationship with god both together and separate and it seems as if to me, the more, you know, we are engaged and we are, we are um, really just flowing with, you know, oil, then our relationship, our marriage bears more fruit, you know, in the way we interact with one another, the way the intimate places of our yeah. marriage are, are touched by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because God wants it into every area of your life, every single area okay it has been a journey through being triggered for me personally in in some areas that were tender that i didn't know were there fear of trusting fear of letting my guard down you know having a, a twisted view of of without going into a lot of detail just a twisted uh lens that you wear whenever you've come from the things i've come from okay yeah. it's really distorted my vision on a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things that I, I did not, had it not been for him and, and how gentle he is and patient with me and how he's, he's so quick to, to pray and, and be the man of God that I need him to be when I need him to be it. I mean, he's, God has used him to, to, to deliver me even deeper from things, anger, confusion. I mean, there was a point of time where I, you know, I, it was almost like, I didn't know if it was me or if it was a demonic attack 
well, what's going on? Am I thinking, you know, and, and I'm confused and, you know, he prays and I think breaks, you know, every time it's been extremely healthy. That's been, that's been really recent. Actually, we've been walking through that. I've been walking through whole new levels of healing because it never stops. You never get to a place where you're just like, okay, I'm good. And a lot of times I think God uses people. Of course, he always uses people to pull things out of you. Good, bad, and ugly. So it's been, you know, this last year, I think has been kind of a wilderness experience for him and me because he's in a foreign land. I'm, I'm not physically in a foreign land, but I'm in a spiritual foreign land Mm. because, you know, after, you know, we got married and we, we moved into this house. That's when everything began. And, and we're talking about like, you know, introducing my, my son into the situation. Let me just tell you about that for a second. Yeah. Come on. My, my little boy. Okay. I have a a nine-year-old. His name is Jonah and he's amazing. Um, I, I guess I talked about him before about the pregnancy and stuff like that. Well, you know, he's, he was, he was eight and I wasn't sure how he was going to receive this man, you know, who, who mom's going to marry, you know, and uh, you're going to have a new stepdad and he's much older than mom. And, you know, he's a little different and it, the, the, the contrast to what he's experiencing at, at his house to what he experiences at our house is, is stark. Right. And, um, and altar services and, and being exposed to church and, and those types of things, you know, and I mean, not just any altar services either. They're the kind of altar services where people are praying in tongues and falling out in spirit. So it, it was going to be a whole new world for Jonah as well. Well, the first time he ever met Paul, it was like, he just took to him, you know, immediately, yeah. immediately. I was like, my, my son gets weird around people. Sometimes he's not, he's not super, you know, uh, social. He, he, he needs a minute. Right. kind of fill you out before you know he engages with you completely but not with paul he took a right to him and if you know and if that doesn't testify of somebody's uh spirit then i don't know what does because my son has discernment you know but anyway so there there was that you know but they're they've been developing a really um amazing relationship as a matter of fact uh he's incorporated jonah into a sermon you know, when and Jonah got to hear him preach it yeah. and we've prayed for Jonah, he prayed the fire on Jonah and Jonah received it because I felt it. Wow. Yeah. So it's changing, not just my life, but my son's life, a whole generation, you know, of, you know, cause children these days, they're very, they're very much uh, sensitive to the spirit. And, um, he, my son has had, you know, experiences now with the Holy spirit. He might not have had, you know, outside of this, this union. So the fruit that it's bearing is amazing, you know, just in in my own personal life, you know? Yeah. This last year we moved out here to Liberty experienced COVID, you know, and the church is kind of shutting down. And, um, so we had some, we had some downtime. My mom passed away in April. God put him in my life. Probably, you know, that was part of the reason, I believe, because that was a hard loss. And that was one of the the, uh, the things I was always wondered, you know, because I knew it was going to happen. She'd had COPD for a long time. She was on a, a steady downslide, 
with the alcoholism and everything else. And she told me straight up, she wanted to die. She wanted to die. She didn't want to be alive anymore. But we were like best friends. And we had been extremely close, codependent close, toxic close. But I always felt like I was, I had to be there to protect her somehow, or just to be close to her, you know, physically, uh, geographically, and emotionally. And when I went to House of Destiny, and I had Jonah, when Jonah, I lost Jonah to Jeremy, it, it was pretty much the straw that broke the camera's back because her and Jonah were extremely close. And um, she didn't get to see him like she wanted to and things like that. So, you know, she wound up passing away in her sleep. And, um, and Paul's been a rock. He tolerated me walking through anger and all the other horrific emotions that come along with grief, you know, and giving me, you know, a sounding board. And sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes I lashed out, but he, he understands it for what it is, you know, because he's walked through it himself. And I'm extremely grateful for that. So there's that. And then learning ministry together, learning altars, you know, how to operate, you know, and flow with one another in, in services and things like that. It was, you know, it was cool watching him preach the first time. I was really surprised, actually. I was like, wow, you really can preach. You know, I didn't. <laughs> you never know, huh? <laughs> I know. I was like, wow, it's, you're, you're really good at this, you know? <laughs> I no wonder. I get it now. I get but, it. Um, That's awesome. It's, it's been a wild ride this last year, learning yeah. how to trust the Lord and to be married and work in ministry together. But we're looking toward Leesville. There's an amazing church there that's, you know, they're experiencing revival right now. And yeah. just the core in that church, they're like, they're legit. Yeah. Pastor Jack and the whole family. And they, they're amazing. Yeah. They're, they're really great. And I think that the Lord is actually, you know, he's legitimately calling us to that place. So from there, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen. We're kind of just playing it one step at a time. Absolutely. You know? You're going to have to come back on next yeah, week and let's talk about shame. Let's talk about the shunning and deal with that and, yes. uh, and just take it. If you'd be willing to come back on next week and, uh, sure. and talk about that and shame. Uh, yes. Yeah. To kind of talk about what comes through, you know, cause we, we titled it addiction. And so I want to deal right. with that issue of shame and the shunning that comes. Yes. And, okay. and I'm just, I'm blessed by you being on giving your story if people don't realize it yet, they should, how much I care and love Pastor Paul and, and you also now. And I get emotional when I talk about Chief because everybody loves me at first. I have that personality where first impression, man, everybody wants to be around me. And I just tell them, let's give it time because 90% of 90% <laughs> of the people aren't around after so often. I either burn them out or annoy them or drive them crazy or, or they just don't see me the same way. And chief never allowed that to happen. He, he pursued me more, the more he found out and the more I opened up and, uh, I owe him for, for so much more than I would ever be able to repay. He is, he is somebody that is a, an amazing, a major figure in my life. 
and my dad and I talk about him. Tanya and I talk about him. I, we talk our, talk to our kids about him and, and you guys. And, and I am not just the man I am today without him, but I would not be here today without him. And I'm so blessed by you and be, you being able to give him what he so, so desired. And I'm just excited to see where God takes you both. And I'm glad that there's somebody that's going to take care of him as, you know, the older he gets, because somebody needs to, and, uh, <laughs> and he's deserving <laughs> of it, Mel. And so your, your blessing, your, your testimony is rocking. And, uh, and I love the fact that there's so much more about the light than the darkness when you give your testimony. Mm -hmm. And I did get one thing and I'll finish on this, Mel is it was really cool. It hit me when you were talking about how, where the place that you get, you found recovery is the place you met Paul. Uh And it kind of confused you a little bit at first, but, and I, and I just thought of this phrase that the place that God gave you recovery is the same place. He brought you a covering. Come on. Look, God brought you a covering in the same place, in the same position of you Uh being obedient within the recovery. And yeah. all you had to do was be still and know that yeah. he was God. Wait on God. And as you were waiting on God, he brought you someone else also. And so you, you went from recovery to covering in the very place. That's same so place. Good. So you're awesome. And uh, thank Thanks. you so much for doing this with me. You're welcome. Is that him? Is he in the room? Yes, he just wants in. Oh, come in. Let me see you. I'll edit this out, chief. I'm doing stir fry. Oh, see, that's my jam. That's our jam. We used to cook stir fry together, Mel. Yeah, we did. And then we watch it, man. <laughs> this might be going in the bonus features. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the Wing Chun pose. Right? <laughs> this is so good on the podcast. I'm not editing this out. <laughs> this is awesome. And so she rocked it again, Chief. Love you, son. I love you. You guys rock. Have a good one. Be blessed. All right. (laughs) Bye. All right. That was awesome. What a conversation I had with Melissa and, and then ultimately chief at the end, I left that in there just for fun to kind of just give you a piece of our relationship and our conversation. And, and so there's only one thing left, man. I, I absolutely can't wait for part three. Now there's only one thing left. Remember, in a world of groupthink, y'all, you can watch me, mock me, block me, or join me, but you can't silence me. Until next time, stay weathered, my friends. <laughs>